Well, today we're going to be in Colossians chapter 2. Your Bibles, let's go ahead and go. Colossians chapter 2, and today we get to cover verses 16 through 23. How many of you are interested in growing as a Christian? I'm curious. Praise God. I know I am. I have a long ways to go. Today's study is entitled, Things to Know in Order to Grow, with the emphasis on that word, know. (laughs) And we're going to see today that we're supposed to say no to legalism. We're supposed to say no to mysticism. We're supposed to say no to asceticism. And we're supposed to say yes to Jesus. And again, this is not everything that you need to know in order to grow. But here in Colossians, uh, Paul definitely emphasizes that. And um, I hope and pray, you know, that you've all said yes to Jesus. Yes, I believe you died for me on that cross. Yes, I believe you rose again. You conquered the coffin, defeated death, gutted the grave. Uh, Lord, I believe in you, um, not only as my Savior, but as my Lord. And when you give your life to Christ, um, it's so cool. He writes your name in the book of life. And you won't have to fear death because you'll know you'll spend forever and ever in heaven. Jesus is the one who gets us there. And so today we read Colossians chapter 2. And look, notice what it says in verse 16. It says, So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths, which are a shadow of things to come. But the substance is of Christ. Now, as we've been going through the book of Colossians, we've just been talking about how Christ is sufficient, that we are complete in Christ. And so Paul here is just wanting to keep the Christians on track. Listen, I I want you guys to go to heaven, you know, when you die. None of us know when that day will come. I, I want you not only to go to heaven when you die, but I want you to experience like a slice of heaven while you live. It, it is an amazing, wonderful life being a committed follower of Jesus Christ. And so he's telling them Jesus is enough. You don't have to go to all those other things. Jesus is enough to forgive you and wash you and bless you and love you. But unfortunately, there were people there in Colossae that were telling them Jesus is not enough. You need to do all these other things. And so he writes right here, um, let no one pass judgment on you. Don't let anyone condemn you uh, for the things that you eat or drink or maybe not celebrating certain holy days like the Sabbath once a week or the monthly things or the yearly things, those feast days. Um, Paul here says we've been set free from all that legalism of certain diets and certain days. We've been set free from the law. And so just in case, because I have had people come to me and say, hey, Manny, you need to go back to Judaism. You need to pass, you know, the Passover. You need to wear that thing on your head. You need to, and no, no, God took us out of that. And so here, what he's saying right here is, uh, you know, don't let anyone pass judgment on you if you don't do that stuff. You know, maybe they were telling them something like, hey, make sure you eat only unleavened bread because leaven is symbolic of sin. Uh, Make sure you eat and celebrate the Passover dinner. That's a mandatory feast, you know, and and I don't know, maybe you guys have run into some people that'll tell you that you have to celebrate, you have to keep the Sabbath, even today. I love the my brothers, some of them are Seventh day Adventist, but the, the Sabbath, it doesn't stand for today. We don't we are not mandated 
to keep the Sabbath. All Ten Commandments are repeated in the New Testament except the Sabbath. And so we're going to see, Paul says, don't let anyone judge you on any of these things. They were just shadows of Christ. You know, leaven was a picture of sin, but Jesus bore sin as the Passover lamb. And so if they emphasize diet over Jesus' death, then we kind of cancel Christ. You know, the Sabbath day observance, if you think about it, was primarily um, a message to the world that one day Jesus would give us rest. He would give us rest. How many of you guys like to take a nap? I'm just curious. I know I do. I, I, I love rest. Of course, there is a time, you know, we have to work, but uh, not when it comes to the spiritual part. You guys, you don't have to earn his love. You don't have to earn his forgiveness. You don't have to earn that favor, that grace from God. It's all been provided through Jesus Christ. Uh, if you, you know, hang on to the, the, the diet or the days, you know, or that kind of legalism or law, then what you're doing is you're holding on to the shadow rather than the substance. And the substance, of course, is Christ. If you read if Hebrews 8, verse 5, and Hebrews 10, verse 1, it talks more about this stuff. Um, what, it, well, well, Manuel, what if someone wants to eat unleavened bread? What if one, one person wants to kind of like celebrate the Sabbath? Uh, what if someone wants to do a Seder meal, a Passover meal? Any of you guys ever done a Passover meal? So that's pretty cool. It really is. So for that, I think it might be good to go to Romans chapter 14. If you would, Paul kind of talks about this. In Romans 14. He says in verse 1, Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats. For God has received him. Who are you, and this is really big, who are you to judge another's servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another, another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. And you know, this is where like personal convictions come in. Hey, you want to eat um, leavened bread? I love big fluffy bread. You know, hopefully you don't judge me for that. Um, and that this one over here wants to eat unleavened bread? Well, I won't judge them for that. You know, I esteem every day alike. Every day belongs to God. But there are some who, for whatever reason, they take Saturday off. This is just a day of rest. He shouldn't judge me. I shouldn't judge him. You know, that we have what's called personal convictions, and this is why it's so important that we maintain a personal relationship with God. Uh, there might be a TV show that you watch that I can't watch, and I can't judge you for that. You shouldn't judge me for not watching it. Like, you know, for example, here's a Sunday morning, right? And so I don't know, I know how you guys feel about something like this, but, you know, typically on a Sunday morning, you know, I would just listen to praise music. 
just praise music. I mean, hey, it's Sunday morning, right? It's a special day, right? So this morning, as I'm thinking about the study, I'm like, Lord, I want to listen to We Are Family by Sister Sledge. Now, Lord, is that okay? You know, and there's a part of you that says, well, no, you can't listen to like, you know, Good Times. That's another song I listen to, you know, and, but I love those songs. And, and the Lord is just kind of, he's kind of like just chipping away at the legalistic tendencies that I have. No, you guys got to remember, we have to remember, you know, the, the diets, the days, uh, those little rules and regulations, all that, you know, um, the Sabbath day, that was just, it's all about Jesus. It really is, not about these other things. Here, Paul says, we don't judge one another uh, when it comes to those things that are really, you know, uh, personal convictions. Who are we to judge another person? Be very, very careful. So so back in Colossians, he says, say, say no to legalism, say yes to Jesus. And then in verse 18, he says, say no to mysticism. And yes, to Jesus. Look what he says in verse 18. Let let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. So let no one judge you. Let no one cheat you of your reward. And the word cheat is a really cool word. In one sense, it refers to an umpire. It was used in ancient athletic contests of an an umpire. You know, I wish I could show you the guys' video I saw the other day. There was this little kid, if you can picture him. He was uh, watching a baseball game. He eventually fell in love with the umpires. And next thing you know, he's in the stands and he's got the umpire garb on and he's just calling all the shots, strike, you know, but there's a different word they use for strike or ball or out or just doing everything that umpires do. And this little kid is so good at it that, um, you know, during the game, sometimes the coaches will even come up to them through the gate at the fence and they'll say, hey, we're doing a lineup change or something like that, you know, just to kind of, you know, keep the little kid encouraged you know, but, but at the end of the day, those baseball players who are on the field, are they, are they going by what the little kid says, this little guy who's pretending to be the umpire? No. And that's exactly what Paul is saying. Listen, God's your umpire. God's your judge. Whatever you do, don't let anyone else cheat you of your reward Because God has this amazing reward for you, not just in heaven, but even on earth. So don't get sidetracked by listening to these wannabe umpires in your life. You know, the Lord is the one who leads us. You know, we have a reward coming to us. Jesus said in Revelation 22, 12, Behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. You know, Jesus is excited about giving us a reward that not only will be a responsibility that we'll have during the millennial kingdom, but it will be forever and ever. Don't let anyone cheat you of that reward. Second John chapter one, verse eight, it says, watch out that you do not lose what we have worked for, but that you may be rewarded fully. Ruth chapter two, verse 12, I love this verse. It says, the Lord repay your work as Boaz is talking to Ruth and a full reward be given you by the Lord God of Israel 
under whose wings you have come for refuge. You see, the problem with the false teachers in, in, this, in Colossae is that they weren't teaching or making judgments based on the Bible. They were actually contradicting the Bible or they were adding to the Bible. So did you guys know that in the Old Testament, they took the Ten Commandments and they made 612 commandments out of the Ten Commandments? And a lot of times that's what we do. We take whatever the scriptural principle might be and then we add all our little, you know, rules and things like that. For example, I told you, you know, listening to, you know, Sister Sledge on a Sunday morning. Well, there's a rule inside of my heart that says you can't do that because it's Sunday morning. But where did that come from? That's me adding to the Bible. You know, I always encourage you guys, you know, um, to read your Bible, to read the whole Bible, right? But um, I, I got to be careful in that, you know, because uh, I, the Bible talks about, you know, meditating and memorizing and reading it and, you know, obeying it and everything. But at the end of the day, can I make a, a law that says uh, if you don't read your Bible every single day that God can't bless you? There might be a day you, you wake up or there might be a day where you have to go and there's other responsibilities. And all I'm saying is that be very careful that that's not the kind of relationship that you have with God or that's not the kind of relationship that you impose on others when it comes to God. And so for us, it's, impo- it's important that we don't contradict the Bible or add to the Bible or raise human traditions over the truth. Now, the false teachers in Colossae were delighting in false humility. Um, It says right here, look what it says again. Let no one cheat you, verse 18, of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels. And so what that probably means is that they were saying, oh, we're nothing, we're nothing, and we can't go directly to God. We kind of have to go through mediaries. We got to go through maybe an angel or maybe Mary, or maybe the saints. And that's like a false humility, thinking that you need mediators. No, you don't need mediators. You can go straight to God. And so what he's saying right here is these guys right here, look again in verse 18, it says, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. In other words, they were basing this on, you know, maybe dreams they had or maybe visions they supposedly had. And there are some people like that. They'll they'll tell you, hey, you know, the Lord showed me, you know, you got to do this. You know, and I saw it in a dream or a vision or whatever. It's impressed on my heart. And, And they start, you know, tripping out. They start getting a little mystical rather than getting biblical. Be careful of people like that, you know, that, uh, hey, the Lord showed me about this about you. This is what the Lord showed me, you know, we need to start worshiping angels, going through angels. No, the Bible is complete. We can't add to it. We got to make sure we don't contradict it. And unfortunately, that's what was going on in, in Colossae. Yeah, I know the Bible says this, but the Lord showed me this. Some people were claiming like this special mystical insight by way of visions. And these guys were basically saying that Jesus and his word are not enough. And what they were doing in the process is they were decapitating the the head off of the body. Look what it says in verse 19. And I'm not holding fast, not holding tight to the head, 
from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. And so here we are at church. Uh, What's the message? Um, Of course, there's a lot of little things to think about, but the main message is, is just, man, we can't let go of Jesus. You know, there's a flesh inside of us that has a natural tendency to move towards legalism, to move towards mysticism, to move towards, and we're going to see later, asceticism. And, and what you do in the process is basically what you're saying is the blood of Jesus is not enough. I need, I need to make sure that I earn his you know, salvation and sanctification and his favor and his forgiveness by my behavior. And, and we can't. You guys, we just have to hold on to Jesus. He is sufficient. We are complete in Christ. We are completely forgiven in Christ. That's all he's saying. He's all I need, and I refuse to be swayed away, even when life gets hard. You know, what if some popular pastor started coming and preaching something different, or some important person, or some religious representative said that Christ wasn't enough? What would you do? You know, hopefully you would cling to Christ. And I like in the book of Ruth, uh, if you get a chance, maybe you can check it out in verses uh, 14 through 17 of chapter 1 in the book of Ruth. It talks about two uh, gals that were kind of like deciding, well, should I stay with Naomi or not? And it says that Orpah kissed her, but Ruth clung to her. And I think a lot of times, maybe even me as a pastor, I'll teach it. I, it comes out of my lips. Jesus is enough. It's, it's, I kiss him. But the real question is, is, do I really trust him? Because do I cling to him? Because I'll be the first to tell you guys that I have a, a lot of um, rules I, I think I impose on myself, regulations that I pose, impose on myself that sometimes I think those are the things that rob us of our joy or maybe even someone else that says, hey, Manny, you should be doing this and, and that and the other, and, and, and it's not the Lord. See, Jesus is enough. We have to hold fast to the tie, to the head. You know, earlier we read about the reward, but, but you know, when you think of the reward, I, I, you know, if you don't, you don't want anyone to cheat you from your reward. And so that reward might be your relationship with, with Christ. And you don't want to lose that relationship. Definitely the reward is what you're going to get one day when Jesus comes and he rewards us, right, for our faithfulness. But, but another aspect, I think, especially when you take it in context, don't let anyone cheat you of your reward. You want to know what it is? Don't let anyone cheat you from growing as a Christian. Because that's really what he's talking about right here. Notice again, verse 19, not holding fast to the head from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. I, I think in context, that's the reward. You know, I've told you guys many times that I stopped growing in junior high. So this is how old I was when I was in junior I mean, this is how tall I was when I was in junior high. And I tell you what, when I, if I could show you guys my baseball picture, you would see, man, Manny's pretty tall. You know, and so I'm thinking I'm all that. But then something happened. I stopped growing. <laughs> And everybody passed me up. And so that can happen physically. But that can also happen spiritually. 
If we get sidetracked with legalism and mysticism and asceticism and Judaism and Gnosticism, no, we have to make sure we hold fast to him because if we don't, we're going to lose our reward. And part of that reward is just growing as a Christian. Charles Ryrie said, true spirituality comes from tenaciously holding on to Christ, the head of his body. And when you look closely here at Colossians and you compare it with Ephesians 4, 15 through 16, which is kind of the same thing, this is kind of what he's saying, you guys. He's saying that, you know, if, uh, if, if we all grow, then we're going to be blessed. If I grow as a man of God, if I grow as a Christian, that hopefully will help you. And if you grow as a Christian... I know it'll help me. This is kind of what he's saying. You know, um, I don't know why I just gravitate towards sports. And I'm like, what if all the football players got tall and strong? And it helps the whole team, right? This is kind of what he's saying. You know, there's a lot that we can say on this. But, you know, one of the things I thought was really cool as I was studying this is uh, the the word right there translated nourished. It says... uh, Uh, verse 19, not holding fast to the head from whom all the body nourished and knit together. That word nourished, it it speaks of lavishly providing or supporting someone and sparing no expense in the process. It was used in Greek literature supplying everything needed for this chorus to be a grand production or everything needed to accomplish a grand objective. And what God is saying right here is, is, I will give you, I will lavish on you everything. Jesus will lavish on us everything that's needed for us to live this grand and glorious life. You know, the heretical teacher, the one who, you know, tends to go or gravitate towards those things of legalism, mysticism, asceticism, has cut himself off from Christ and therefore the source of protein or growth. And so we need to say no to legalism, Judaism, those things in the Old Testament that people try to impose on us. You can't have bacon. What are you talking about? I can't have bacon. Well, the Bible talks. Well, it might not be all that good for you, but it tastes good. And the Lord gave me these taste buds and I like it. So, you know, the legalism or the mysticism or next is the asceticism. Look at verse 20. Therefore, If you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why as though living in the world do you subject yourselves to regulations? You died with Christ. Last week we talked about when you were baptized into the body of Christ, that you were crucified. You identified with his death and his resurrection. Now usually when we think about dying to self, usually we think only of not doing bad things anymore. We'll die to self. But, but this type of death in the New Testament means we not only die to our rebellious living, we die to our religious living. And by that, I'm referring to the Old Testament law and any man-made mandates that oftentimes are elevated, these traditions are elevated above truth. And Paul says, uh, we died to that. We died not only to the rebellious living, we died to the religious living. 
Now we are free in Christ. Paul here, he asks them the, the, the question. Notice again in verse 20. Therefore, if you die with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why? Why are you doing this? Don't you know you're, you're loved and accepted in Christ? Don't you know you're free? You know, Jesus said in John 8, 32, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Every once in a while, we see these crazy cults and you wonder how in the world did they follow this crazy cult leader? And the answer is because they didn't know the truth. You know, I was even thinking about the whole COVID thing and everything that we've gone through. And I think we're still kind of battling it. You know, there's this natural gravitation uh, for leaders or people in authority to make more and more rules, more and more regulations. Man, I remember the good old days when we used to be able to um, ride in the back of the truck. Any of you guys remember those days? That was so fun. And we, I would go drive around Duarte. I, I coached in Duarte and pick up all the kids, nine and 10 year olds, and plop them in the back of the truck. Now, I understand. I understand. They're doing that for safety reasons. You got to wear a helmet when you're uh, riding a motorcycle. But man, it's pretty cool riding one or driving one without one. I mean, seat belts, all that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, you know, with COVID, you know, the, the freedoms, I think that that was part of the reason why this was, there was such a, a pushback and thank God for that because we don't want to lose our freedoms, our freedoms to personally follow the Lord. What if, you know, my pastor told me, Manny, you can't listen to Sister Sledge on Sunday mornings. <laughs> You can't listen to We Are Family on Sunday mornings. You know what would happen is in my heart, I would want to listen to We Are Family. That's what the law does, right? But, but I'm free. I, I primarily listen to praise music, but I listen to other music as well. I don't just watch Christian television. Sometimes there are people out there that say that's the only thing you can watch. I mean, no, you know, you, you learn lessons. You, you know, there's a lot of things that we enjoy in life. God has given them to us. And we have to make sure that we don't become one of those kind of Christians because what ends up happening is they rob themselves of many of the joys and pleasures that God wants to give them. And they look down their noses at all everyone else that, that does that kind of stuff. Listen, who are you to judge them? We have to be so careful that we don't go beyond the Bible. Here, Paul is saying, man, wh- who, why are you doing this? He asked the Galatians a similar question in Galatians 4, 9 through 11. But now after you have known God or rather are known by God, how is it? He's asking them, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and seasons and years. Paul says, I'm afraid for you lest I've labored for you in vain legalism, where some people will try to take the Old Testament and thump it over your head. You can't get no tattoo. Now, I'm going to get a lot of moms mad at me right now because we're going to talk about tattoos. And the Bible does say you, you, know, you, you can't have a tattoo in the Old Testament, but it doesn't say that in the New Testament because in the Old Testament, you have the civil law, the ceremonial law, and the moral law. The civil law was directed to Israel. So that doesn't, that doesn't apply to us. The ceremonial law was fulfilled in Christ. And the moral law, which are the Ten Commandments, those are all repeated in the New Testament with the exception of the Sabbath. And so we just have to be biblical about that. I know some people who have tattoos who love God, 
They really love God. And so, you know, forgive me. I'm just saying this, these are things that we have to understand. The, the whole aspect of asceticism is an interesting history. Now, you guys know that when Christianity was first legalized, it was persecuted. You know, they, they, they called the Christians atheists because they didn't believe in the plethora of the Roman gods and that kind of stuff. And they blamed the earthquakes on, on the Christians, you know, and it just is a crazy thing. You know, and so they were persecuted, 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 you know, up until the, the fourth century. But then in the fourth century, they no longer were persecuted because it was then a state religion under the leadership of Constantine. And so now there was no more persecution. And so the Christians are like, wait a minute, time out. You know, that, that whole persecution thing, you know, it, it's, it's, it sanctified us. It was good for us. So, you know, we kind of earned our way to heaven. We earned, you know, the merit points with God. And so rather than, you know, them experiencing the persecution from the government, they ended up persecuting themselves. And that's when monasteries were built. And that's when they would go and literally they would flog themselves you got people that are going up steps on their knees. you got literally people that are crucifying themselves. There's this mentality, and I don't think any of you guys have it, but sometimes people think that if I just suffer, then in, in one sense, then I earn it. You know, Martin Luther was, was one of those when he made the decision uh, not to finish up law school, but to become a monk. He sold his possessions, and he was there in the monastery zealously confessing every sin he could think of. He would actually go to confession sometimes six hours a day. Think about that. Think if you're the priest and you got to listen to six hours a day because he's just thinking to himself, well, this is the law and the law says I got to confess my sins, but what about those sins that I don't remember? And so he just, you know, well, okay, I know what I'll do is I'll have all night vigils. I'll pray all night so I can double my efforts in knowing what sins to confess. And he threw himself into these long bouts of fasting. And he did that to find forgiveness with God. He deprived himself of sleep. He deprived himself of blankets when it was cold because he thought such sacrifices would bring him closer to God and somehow contribute to his salvation. He also flogged himself thinking that torture would make him more holy. All this was in his desperate attempt to find the love of God. Until one day when he was reading his Bible and it just says the righteousness of God is declared, it's here, it's revealed in this, that the just shall live by faith. And that just, it lifted the burden. It set him free. And, and it's doing that, you know, to us. I mean, I know initially, hopefully you guys understood that message, but I, I hope and pray that there's even more freedom in your life. Not freedom to sin, but freedom from sin and freedom in this relationship that we have that is just something that he leads us in. The Christian must not permit his life to become a round of rules again. And what we find is that, you know, Paul here, look at, look at verse 21, how bad it got. Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. You know, Paul, in writing to Timothy, chapter 4, he said, the spirit 
expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. Don't touch, don't taste, don't handle. You know, this really goes beyond religion. You know what it, it gets into now? Pagan superstition. Any of you guys here superstitious? I'm just curious. If there was a ladder right there, would you walk underneath it? Have you ever broken a mirror and thought, oh no, seven years, bad luck? There have been times where I've been driving, I'm serious, and a black a cat, you know, crosses the street right there. I'm like, oh Lord, what should I do? <laughs> you know, it's funny how even the pagan superstition can creep into our relationship with God. Myself, I love to wake up in the morning and read my Bible. I love to wake up in the morning and pray. But the other day I woke up in the morning and I forgot I had a doctor's appointment. And I was like, oh, no, I got to be there early. And so, you know, I couldn't do my normal routine. And I tell you what, in the back of my head, I'm thinking the whole time, man, I'm going to get struck with lightning today, you know. That's superstitious thinking. And this is creeping into the church, right? Don't touch, don't taste, don't handle. Uh, Some Bible teachers believe that they were even telling them you won't have any power over demons unless you do this legalism, asceticism, and mysticism. You know, right here, Paul says in verse 22, listen, which all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. Basically, he's saying, they're telling you not to eat that. You know, Acts chapter 11, they had been set free from the dietary law, Acts 10 and 11. And so, you know, the moment you eat the bacon, basically what Paul is saying right here is, is it enters into your digestive system. It clogs your arteries. I'm sorry, he doesn't say that. It enters into your <laughs> digestive system and it will eventually be eliminated. Now, again, I'm not saying bacon's good for you physically, but we need to know that it's not bad for you spiritually. You know, in Mark chapter 7, when they were eating the food before washing their hands in a certain way because the Pharisees had a way of washing their hands. They would wash the water and then it had to drip down in the elbows. And so, hey, why are your apostles eat, you know, you know, food with unwashed hands? And Jesus is like, man, you guys, you guys are crazy. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles the man. It's what comes out. And so right here, the, Paul is basically saying the same thing. You know, we have to be so careful. Uh, and... I'm going to say something that's probably controversial and get ready to walk out. I'm just, you know, but what about smoking? Smoking cigarettes. You know, sometimes you get Christians who say, you know, that you know, thou shalt not smoke. And then there they are reading Spurgeon, who used to maybe smoke a cigar or C.S. Lewis or whatever it might be. The guys are good. But listen, you better not smoke. And they put everybody down, 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 down. Now listen, I know smoking a cigarette is not good for you. I understand it messes up your lungs. So smoking a cigarette, though, it, it won't send you to hell. It might send you to heaven earlier, but we got to know the <laughs> distinction. You know, and, and so, so many things that we make our, our rules and regulations on, 
you know, I was thinking about my mom, you know, she's there, and her whole life, she was kind of smoking, not smoking, smoking, not smoking, and towards the end, you know, she wanted to have a cigarette, I'm like, oh, Lord, what do I do, what do I do, what do I do, thank God for the Bible, the Bible doesn't say, you know, you can, and so, you know, can I have, she, I want a cheeseburger, but mom, the doctor's saying you're not supposed to have one, but here, you know, I mean, it's like, for us, we got to know, like, what's sin, what's not sin, and so, you know, when we read this right here, Listen, those are things that are going to perish with the using. They go in, they get eliminated. Those are the rules and doctrines and commandments of men. You've got to know the difference. Verse 23 says, These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. See, see that last part right there, the indulgence of the flesh? Man, my flesh, I live in a fallen body and it wants to do, you know, crazy things because uh, we believe in the depravity of man. And so there's a battle going on inside of me. So I want power over that part of me. I want power over the flesh. And what Paul is saying right here is those types of things, they look good. Oh, look at that guy. Look at the, how much he fasts. Look at how much they pray. Look at how much whatever it is that, you know, you put that religious thing on them. But, but he's saying it looks good, but, but it does no good regarding, you know, giving them power to walk in obedience. And a lot of times, and that's the way the Pharisees were, of course, they had that appearance of wisdom, self-imposed religion, false humility, neglect of the body. But what we find is that was no, there was no help in conquering a person's sensual passions. If you want to grow, if you want to grow, don't look to legalism. Don't make a whole bunch of rules and regulations. If you want to grow, don't think of well, uh, you know, mysticism or, or asceticism or any of those things, Gnosticism, religion, Judaism. No, just look to Christ. You know, Jesus is here to strengthen us. Hold tight to him four things uh, to know in order to grow number one say no to legalism say no to mysticism say no to asceticism but that's not enough you have to make sure you say yes to jesus he's so good huh who died for you on the cross he did man think about that bearing our sins it's such a cool thing to think of you know legalism is religion of human achievement and it just clashes with divine accomplishment. Mysticism usually starts with a desire uh, to grow deeper, like, oh, I want a deeper walk with God. But then you got to be careful because then you fall off the deep end <laughs> with mysticism. Be really careful, right? Asceticism says, Manny, no pepperoni pizza. No laughing. You're in church. No laughing allowed. No one rich can be right with God. That's what asceticism says. Make yourself suffer in order to be sanctified. And if you really, really, really want to do ministry, don't get married. And unfortunately, we have a, a, a church that believes that. Nowhere in the Bible does God forbid marriage. As a matter of fact, you know, if the, the pastor or, or priest was married, he might be able to minister more effectively to those who are married. 
Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. He says, you know, yeah, I kind of wish that everybody had the same gift that I have, that, you know, gift of singleness, but, but not everybody has that gift. And so we have to be careful that we don't go beyond the Bible. You know, um, God's, don't you guys like Sister Sledge? I'm just curious. How many of you guys like that song? Do you like that We Are Family? Isn't that a cool song? I mean, there's this, music is amazing to me. When I first got saved, um, and you know, here's something interesting. I will say this just real quick in, in closing. When I first got saved, I threw away like hundreds and hundreds of dollars of secular music. Uh, it was, you know, some of it was devil music, some of it wasn't. But anyways, I just threw it all away. And then I just listened to purely Christian music. And I'll tell you what, man, Stephen Curtis Chapman, that guy back in that day, he discipled me. God used him in such a tremendous way. And so there you might be some of you here where that's where you're at. You're like, hey, man, I don't want to listen to anything that's not, you know, uh, point on track edifying. But, but that's between you and the Lord. And we have to make sure that we don't judge someone for it or maybe they're not in that place as well. God's given us all these things to enjoy. There's this one song. I won't tell you what it is, but it's by the Bee Gees. And it, every time I hear it, I, even I feel like dancing. And that says a lot. <laughs> so God has given you these things to enjoy. Again, not sin, but he loves you and he wants to bless your life. Most important thing, say no to those things and say yes to Jesus.